this is a policy choice. You know, either you can let the industry go down in the name of uh, free trade, or you can intervene in some form. Uh, of course, if you haven't done any form of industrial policy for over 20 years, suddenly you find yourself with these kind of results. Hello and welcome to the Weekly Economics Podcast. My name is Alice Martin, filling in for Kirsty Styles this week. Tata Steele was back in the news last week and I'm joined by Olivier Vardikulias, economist at the New Economics Foundation, to talk about the ongoing Tata Steele crisis. Crowded in the smoke from her chimneys, this small coastal community is now cloaked in a misery not of her making. To say you can go and get another job is not so easy here anyhow, without another 800 people looking for the same job. Tata Steel is all he knows, he's been there all his life, all his working life. Cheap Chinese steel and high costs mean the industry's already shared thousands of UK jobs in the last year. The government needs to sustain the UK steel industry. I don't believe nationalisation is the right answer. Tata has plenty of people interested in buying parts of its British business, Tom. What it doesn't have is anyone who's remotely interested in the old British steel pension scheme. Isn't the real problem the government doesn't actually have an industrial strategy? This giant steel plant is the heart that gives life to this town and her people. And the community's very existence is at stake. Hi, Olivier. Welcome back to the podcast. A bit of a regular around these parts now. Um, And today we're going to be talking about Tata Steel, which we missed when it all kicked off a while back. uh, But it was back in the news last week with protest and pensions announcements. So first of all, for listeners who don't know, can you just explain what's been going on with Tata Steel? Well, what basically happened is that a couple of months ago, Tata Steel announced that it would close a series of uh, steel plants in the UK uh, because it was making a very heavy loss uh, on some of its UK uh, plants, uh, notably in Port Talbot, where it was making a loss of around, you know, one million a day or something. And therefore, you know, since then, basically, there there have been, you know, uh, a series of attempts uh, to either rescue or sell uh, parts of Tata Steel in the UK. And obviously, you know, there are many jobs at risk, particularly in some remote areas, as is Port Talbot. Okay, well, let's go back to the start here. So why exactly have Tata Steel decided to sell the business? Well, what's been happening over the couple of years is basically, you know, a dramatic decline in the the, the price of steel globally. Uh, this is down to two factors. One factor is obviously, you know, the ongoing slowing down of the global economy, particularly in emerging markets after, you know, the the 2008 crisis and in all the post 2008 period. And therefore, you know, many plants became unviable economically. We saw that in Italy, we saw that in Belgium, and now we're seeing that in the UK. Now, in conjunction with that, obviously, you know, the Chinese government has basically been subsidizing its steel production and flooding the market, keeping prices very low. Uh, and that has been a problem for you know the steel industry um, in Europe, in the UK, in the US, 
uh, and so on. So these are the kind of more uh, the deeper drivers, if you want, uh, of this evolution. Uh, obviously, Tata still saw that you know it was making a loss. There wasn't any prospects in the horizon of actually turning the situation around, given the circumstances, and therefore you know it decided to withdraw basically part of its production from the UK market. So basically, UK steel is no longer profitable because the Chinese are making it cheaper. Um, but does that spell the end of UK steel production completely? Well, I mean, uh, the Chinese are making it cheaper based on very large subsidies. Basically, you know, the Chinese steel industry isn't profitable neither uh, at the moment. Uh, they are making losses, at least that's you know, the kind of public data available. That's what, that's what it shows us. Uh, but, you know, they are keeping the price low. So at the moment, yes, the answer is that uh, the UK industry isn't profitable. Now, obviously, there are many things you can do. So the US, for example, has put very, very high tariffs on steel imports from China, uh, alleging basically that it is subsidizing prices and therefore that it's it constitutes, you know, kind of unfair competition on the, U the US steel industry. On the other hand, Europe, the European Union hasn't done that. Uh, the UK cannot do it alone. It can only do it through uh, the EU. Uh, but most ironically of all, uh, the country that was pressing against putting tariffs on Chinese steel imports was precisely Britain. So to come back to your original question around whether you know this signals the end of of the UK steel production, well, that this is a policy choice. You know, either you can let the industry go down in the name of. Uh, free trade, even though you know you don't really have free trade when other countries are massively subsidizing the industry, or you can intervene in some form uh, within the realms of existing possibilities. Because being in the EU and having signed WTO agreements means that you cannot do anything you like. Uh, you need to abide to some key principles, but there are things you can do. But haven't we had debates like this one before over coal mining in the 80s, for example? The UK is a service economy now. Why would we bail out failing industries? Yes, well, that's a very valid question. And the choice that was made back then was basically, you know, to let uh, whole pans of the industrial tissue of, of this country to go down. Now, uh, the problem with that is obviously that, you know, you don't have a replacement of jobs on part of one to one, right? Uh, you have, you know, some jobs being created in the service sector, which is usually less labor intensive than these kind of industries for one. But also, secondly, there is the, a geographical concentration of services in very particular areas. So it's not that, you know, you're losing industry in the north uh, or in Port Talbot and the service industry is going to suddenly uh, take over uh, these regions. It doesn't work that way. And therefore, you know, all these industries are supporting critical, relatively high quality jobs in, in very uh, remote and deprived areas of the country. Now, the, the question, of course, around whether we should be bailing out failing industries or not, I think, you know, there is a kind of short term and long term answer to that. Uh, of course, if you haven't done any form of industrial policy for over 20 years, suddenly you find yourself with these kind of results where industries are failing and you need to kind of uh, have a fireman role over the short term because you haven't addressed these long term issues. Uh, the UK... Uh, has made a choice to focus on finance and banking services. This has implied 
among other things, you know, a, an overvalued exchange rate. And this puts all its industry under a very strong constraint because obviously all its exports uh, are relatively more expensive and therefore it relies on imports for all these kind of things as steel and other industrial imports and so on. Um, so the answer is, if you can bail them out and make them profitable, probably you should be bailing them out. Uh, the question is, can you and what you need to do, for example, imposing tariffs on imports uh, from countries who are subsidizing their industry or not, uh, and so on. But on top of the price of steel collapsing and the Chinese making cheaper steel, haven't climate levies also made steel in the UK just simply less profitable. I mean, isn't the end of steel a good thing environmentally? It's been very funny, you know, the debates over the past uh, two months because, uh, you know, a lot of people use the, the Tata Steel case uh, as a case study, basically, uh, to say that, you know, climate levies are making our industry less competitive. Uh, this is nonsense. I mean, the, 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 the impact of the climate levy on the costs of uh, operating, you know, steel factories is less than 1%. Very recently, there was uh, an excellent report done by the Gratham Institute looking at whether the climate levy has affected UK competitiveness, so the competitiveness of different in industries, uh, and they found that absolutely not. Uh, so, you know, I understand that many people who are against taking action against climate change are using that uh, to put forward their arguments, but this is completely wrong. But is it good for the environment to shut down steel industries? Well, it depends what happens after. I mean, if we could live in a world where we could shut down the steel industry, uh, not use steel uh, and continue and live happily ever after, yes, of course, it would be great. But realistically, what's going to happen is not that. You're going to shut down steel industries here, which means you're going to be importing steel from other countries. Other countries may have less stringent environmental regulation, which actually means you may have, you know, the, the, the impact on global environment may be negative. Uh, so, of course, we need to try as much as we can and green this industry. And this is a very good opportunity to actually do that if the state manages, you know, to take over part of Tata Steel's share and, and push something like that. But overall, I understand there is an argument, uh, particularly from, you know, the environmental sector saying, well, actually, you know, it's not that bad because we're going to shut down something which is, you know, carbon intensive and so on. But the reality is, you know, these carbon emissions are going to happen anyway. OK, so you touched on what the state could be doing then. What do you think the government should be doing in this situation? Well, I think that, you know, realistically, I mean, you know, the UK is binded by a series of treaties. It cannot do whatever it likes. Uh, there are very stringent EU laws around the ways you can support an industry or not support an industry. And we've seen that both in Italy and Belgium. So the Italian government basically took over a very large steel plant after it went bust in 2013. Uh, and, you know, this is under investigation of the commission because what it was doing was basically subsidizing this industry. The same happened in Belgium. And the European Commission actually ruled that the subsidies these companies received had to be given back to the state. So, you know, the British state needs to be very careful around how it handles this. This doesn't mean, of course, that there's nothing you can do. So, for example, pushing on very high border tariffs uh, across the EU 
uh, for Chinese steel could actually be one solution. On the other hand, we can question whether you know the current rules, both of the EU and the WTO, are actually fit for purpose, and whether the UK shouldn't be pushing uh, for changing some kind of regulations for the EU as a whole, uh, rather than basically saying nothing around industrial policy uh, at EU level. Uh, so, for example, it could change some of the norms around state subsidies. It could potentially as well uh, use uh, local procurements uh, of steel or other measures. Now, what we're seeing, obviously, you know, for example, in the current negotiations of the EU is none of that. So currently, it sounds like they're not doing anything. I mean, what's the latest on Tartar steel as far as the government are concerned? Well, uh, they seem to be trying to do something in the sense that uh, they've given extremely favorable terms uh, to future potential buyers of, of the plants. In fact, the terms are so favorable that Tata Steel is currently reconsidering its initial decision. Uh, and this involves notably the state basically taking 25% um, of the shares. Uh, of Tata Steel, but also uh, providing finance at very favorable conditions, along with a resolution of um, you know, the current pension scheme, which I'm sure we'll come back later on. Well, yeah, you, you mentioned the pension scheme. Um, so how did the recent announcement about pensions at Tata Steel fit into all of this, into this, into this debate? Um, what, what was the announcement trying to achieve? Well, basically, a, a very so the, the pension fund of Tata Steel has been running a very high deficit for many, many years. The company was essentially transferring part of this profit to support uh, the pension scheme itself. Uh, so given that this is a very high part of the overall deficit of the company, uh, what the government has been proposing is a way to actually reduce uh, future pension payments. Now, uh, there are two ways through which um, it, it could do that. Uh, the first one was to basically place all the pensions of Tata Steel into the Pension Protection Fund, which ha would have involved very, very high losses uh, for current and, and for current workers of Tata Steel as well as retired workers. Uh, and the other solution, which is a bit more creative, uh, has been to basically propose to benchmark uh, the increase of pensions against uh, CPI, so the Consumer Price Index, rather than you know the RPI, which is the Retail Price Index. And this is because you know the Retail Price Index usually is higher. Uh, and this means that pensions increase fa more fast. Um, basically, they're trying to cut down costs through different measures. Now, the problem of all that is that they need to change the Pension Act of 1995 in order to achieve this. And many people have raised concerns because a change in this legislation to help one particular company may mean that more companies may do it in the future and that can jeopardize um, labor rights in terms of uh, the rights to a decent pension. Okay, thank you. It sounds like the next few weeks are going to be quite crucial for, for this ongoing story. So thanks for joining us, Olivier, and filling us in about Tata Steel um, and letting me interview you in place of Kirsty. Thank you. We'll be back at the same time next week. Got a question you'd like me to put to an economics expert? 
tweet it to us at Weekly EconPod. The Weekly Economics Podcast is brought to you by the New Economics Foundation, an independent think tank and charity that campaigns for a fairer, sustainable economy. Find out more and get involved at neweconomics.org.